Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Good evening, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Tonight we have a great show lined up with an, an interview with um, a Mr. Jack Reed. Um, and actually, he uh, wrote a book called The Next Evolution. I'm going to read a little bit of a uh, review of this book. Uh, there's a quote at the top that says, if you're looking for a viable solution to the many interconnected crises, or crises our planet now faces, the next evolution is a must-read. Uh, the next evolution, a blueprint for, blueprint for transforming the planet by Jack Reed, is an original work of vision which encompasses worldwide ecological, political, economic, and cultural realities, offering revolutionary models for living in harmony and sharing abundance in a matter that will in a manner that will allow the world and its people to thrive. The next evolution is a sweeping and upbeat manifesto of specific methods by which humanity can best transform and enlighten itself. What the readers are author is quite literally a prescription that will resolve a contemporary social, economic, political, environmental, economic, and social issues, I'm sorry, and social issue concerns that otherwise will threaten the very continuance of humankind on planet Earth. Uh, this was from Midwest Book Review by Jim Cox. Um, I actually discovered uh, Mr. Reed um, uh, from a video that was linked to me, and I sat and listened to his uh, uh, presentation, and I was very impressed. And uh, it actually sounded exactly like uh, what we were trying to do here, at least as far as like what our priorities are in the in the Venus Project. So um, I'm going to actually welcome Mr. Reed onto the show. Hello, Jack. It's good to have you. It's good to be here. Excellent. Well, um, do me a favor. You know, take some time and and first of all, you know, tell our listeners about yourself. I would start with uh, like what. What got you into this direction? Like, how early do you think it started? And, and then just kind of evolved from there. And then we'll talk a little bit about what your foundation does. I've been thinking about these things for a long time, ever since I was 15 years old. And that was quite a while ago. And I saw that what needed to happen on the planet was demonstrating a different way of people living together. And uh, for a long time, I, I tried to create the resources myself so that this could be created, a model community, essentially, that could demonstrate to the world something completely different. And eventually, I realized that my ideas had to be made more concrete because people didn't understand what it would look like and how it would work. So I met with a group of people for three years and we put together meticulously the vision of just what it would look like and how it would work for a community of up to 500 people to live together. And then after that, we formed the Nonprofit Community Planet Foundation and after that, I wrote the book, The Next Evolution, which was written around the description that the group of us had come up with for, uh, that, uh, for a community that, if created in a, in a group of these communities together, about 3,000 people in one place demonstrating this, we believe would be enough to start the transformation of the planet. 
that's definitely a noble endeavor indeed. And uh, we, you know, that is, I think, you know, we do have a lot of people in the Zeitgeist movement, for example, who would like to go beyond just uh, spreading awareness and education and feel the same way that you do as far as, you know, building existing, you know, sustainable communities to use as an example when, you know, when spreading the message. And um, we definitely applaud you on that. Now, you know, when I listened to your presentation, I, I, I really loved, like, a, a lot of the stuff that you said in it about how we could recreate and redesign the culture um, how we could, you know, basically if we could just create a community right now, you know, everybody working together that was self-sustaining. Um, I guess at this point, um, tell, talk, to basically, talk about your foundation. What is it that you guys are doing? What have you accomplished? What are your plans? Our, the foundation is set up, and it's a very unique nonprofit because it's set up entirely to create these uh, these. Uh, Echo cooperative communities, and that is that is the sole purpose of it. That's what we work on, uh, and anything that relates to that. Like right now, um, in the Santa Barbara area where we are, uh, we are doing a. We're just about to have a consensus decision making training. Uh, to teach people how to, that are associated with our community planet to teach them how to do consensus. Uh, when I was in France this summer, I did a series of six of these five-day trainings on consensus decision-making and left a group of people there to continue doing that work. And consensus is... Uh, um, a very important part of uh, this community structure because uh, one of the things that when people are talking about cooperative communities and echo communities, unless they're talking about the consciousness that it takes to do that as well as just the form of cooperation, the consciousness that it takes to do that, then they don't, in my mind, they don't have the complete picture because we're talking about transforming the planet here, and one of the things necessary to do that is for people to learn how to cooperate with one another, how to hold that consciousness of the highest good, because it's so easy for all of us to get into our egos, to get into our unresolved issues, and thus uh, create a conflict that stops the whole process from moving forward. That's definitely very true, and I've I've done shows about that um, specifically because of the fact that you know, we have a lot of people who I feel they really want to get into building communities right now, but I don't think they recognize that you have to have a certain amount of maturity to really be able to pull that off, you know, that the value system has to be really strong. Um, and you know, I think it's great that you guys recognize that for sure. Uh, and I guess um, now as far as like, um, I, you know, what, what exactly are your – activities at this point towards that end? Are you guys having meetings or just kind of lay out what you're doing? Yes, we meet uh, regularly uh, here in Santa Barbara and there are people who come from some of the adjoining cities to join us at these meetings. And uh, recently we're creating a, a business plan and another business plan. We had one created before, but that was for a project that involved also creating a, a community in Kenya, which we ultimately decided was not the easiest thing to do. 
to create one there as well as here. And now we're just focusing on creating one here. Uh, recently, we went down to uh, San Diego because there's some land available down there with zoning that is more um, more open and supportive of of uh, creating a community on a piece of land. Uh, and there's uh, uh, some people down there who have some really innovative technology in biofuels and biosoils where they can handle the waste system for an entire community, like the entire community of San Diego in this case, and turn it into fuel and soil. And that could have been, that could be the cash cow that would create and support uh, a community of 3,000 people. So, so yeah, okay, so you're basically talking about a, a, you know, a, finding a way to be able to produce funds within one of these communities as well. Yeah, a, a community absolutely has to have uh, something as, as these communities get started that would be something that would financially support the community. Right. No, that's absolutely true. And, I, you know, a lot of the ways that I, I've studied various failed communes and a lot of them kind of got together and they had really good ideas and I, well, I would rather say ideals, but they didn't really look at it, you know, from that perspective that they need to have a way in order to be able to take care of themselves and, and things of that nature. So, um, and it's a good way to start. Now, I imagine that, you know, even in addition to that, you guys are probably going to be investing the money you make and trying to become as self-sustaining and not need as much, you know, basically not need the monetary system as much as possible, right? Yes, within the community, there, for the people who are residents of the community, the, the, the money exchange, there wouldn't be a barter exchange. It's like if you're a resident, you get the health care, you get the housing, you get the food, you get all the recreation and, and virtually the whole package just as being a resident of the community. One of the things that uh, the political system and the economic system doesn't get, or maybe they don't want to get it, but most people are so... Uh, so thinking inside the box, for instance, when they talk about the economic situation in this country, they say, they say we need to create more jobs. Well, that's maybe true within the every person for themselves system. But as Bucky Fuller uh, pointed out, and uh, an economist also in England, his name was uh, Schumacher, pointed out, it's like five-sixths of the job, 85% of the jobs that exist only exist because of the lack of cooperation between people. So if we could eliminate those 85% of those jobs and actually, actually uh, commit that effort into our own personal growth, our recreation, but also doing things for the planet, we could restore this planet in, in quick order. Uh, but all the resources that go to support these 85% of the jobs that don't need to exist, uh, you know, when they're talking about climate change, when they're talking about environmental issues, are they talking about the incredible inefficiency of the every person for themselves system? Because if they're not talking about that, they're just trying to put band-aids on a broken system. That's very, 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 very true, and that's it's it's so important too. That's one of the things we we focus on in the Venus Project is that 
it's not just about the technology, although the technology certainly helps. It, it's about the mentality, the, the attitude. You know, um, I mean, it's like, I don't know how many other documentaries you watch, but the story of stuff is this really good documentary. It's about 20 minutes long. And it talks about, you know, basically it's a presentation, and she talks about how we cannot continue to live on this planet, you know, with a with an infinite production cycle on a finite planet, you know, and that we and that goes beyond and you just the, the attitude about it is that we can't ever begin to think that that's acceptable. We continue to consume and consume and consume, and you know, we're honestly we're kind of brainwashed to do that, you know, you know, because the, that's how advertising works. But on top of that, though, is that. It's in the attitude of it. Well, I'm going to buy whatever I want. You know, I I want this new cell cell phone. Never mind the fact that the one I have is actually not so bad. You know, um, but I want this new one because all everybody will like me better. And that's everybody for themselves. You know, um, the notion that you know people can can it's kind of an attitude. It's like you'll you'll find it funny that people will be all about just being selfish when when they're doing fine. <laughs> you know. If they're not doing so fine, then suddenly they're a little bit more supportive of things like charities. And if we could work together and be cooperative, we wouldn't need charities and we wouldn't need any, you know, any form of elite either. And it's funny how, uh, I mean, it's like I'm sure you've had to have run into opposition. I, um, I mean, do you get, you know, do you get labeled the, the communist or the socialist like we do? Um, you know, unfortunately, we've avoided, avoided those uh, kind of labels. But uh, just going back to the story of stuff, uh, it's a really incredibly excellent video. If any of you listening have not seen it, contact Neil or, or go to ourcommunityplanet.org website, contact me, and we'll send you the link to watching that video because it is a must-watch. And in terms of the labeling, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't gotten much of that. Uh, what I do is is point out that we're doing something very, very different. Uh, I have a statement in the book that says communism, socialism, capitalism, fascism, they're all much more alike than they are different in, the, in that they are all centralized power-based systems, whereas what we're talking about is, deter- is, uh, is having the decision-making, returning it into the hands of the people at the local level, you know, it's more mm-hmm. true democracy than than any of the other systems, which are all based on control. In this case, with especially with consensus decision making, the control is put back into the hands of each and every person at the local level. Yep, that's that's very true. Um, to, to tell my listeners also, I, I should have actually opened the show with this. I forgot. It was a major important announcement. Uh, Radio.org has been totally updated, and all of the videos we were just talking about actually are available in the must-see TV area. If you click on the, uh, click on the link there, uh, it's not really a link, actually. It's a tab, and it will take you to a, a list of great documentaries that are really critical to understanding these problems, and they're totally free to watch on the Internet. Uh, you can find uh, story of stuff there as well. That's why somebody brought it up in the chat room. I felt the need to bring it up here. Um, so you know, it, it's it really you know, as you said, it you know, it's funny. It's like the people here in my chat room are now they're saying you know you sound a lot like Jacques, and I was like that's well, that's exactly one of the reasons why I contacted this man because if you watch the presentation, I, I gave the link for it. Um, everything that you know he said sounds very 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 compatible with what we're doing. So um, and so basically. Um, 
I guess at this point, what can people do if they want to help you with what you're doing now? And, and where should they check out, you know, at least check things out? I mean, go ahead and give it again because, you know, although I gave the link in the chat room, a lot of my listeners download things after the fact. So if you want to tell them your web address. Okay. If you go to uh, Community Planet, all lowercase, communityplanet.org, you can click on the link to the video there. The video for those who have been thinking along this direction, they'll be able to see what the concept is. For people who want more detail, they can go to the book page there and order a copy of The Next Evolution, which I will, upon request, autograph and send out also. And I just wanted to take a moment and in case somebody is not familiar with what our vision is, this mm -hmm. basically, if I can take a moment to explain. Go ahead. You absolutely can. Okay. So what we're talking about here, there's, there's a lot of content, intentional communities out there who are doing great things. And what we're doing is taking that and, and doing something that has the potential of transforming the planet. So the idea here is that we create a community of 500 people, which is a fairly large eco-community. And we do use consensus decision-making. There's a way to do that. It's described in the book to where a community of up to 500 people can do that. Uh, Could you elaborate on that just a little bit? I'm sorry to interrupt, but to just elaborate a little bit on the consensus thing so that my audience understands what you mean exactly. Well, consensus, as we define it, is not compromise. It's, it's reaching a decision that is inclusive of everyone, that everyone can support. And uh, I have a saying in consensus that if we haven't reached consensus, the one of the things that's happening is we haven't uh, we haven't uh, um, uh, accessed enough creativity. Uh, I just I'll I'll stop from the community description for a second and give an example of that. Mm -hmm. Is that when we because we wrote the entire community description by consensus and. One of the times we were working on something, and I forget what it was even, but one of the members of our group who was more intuitively based, when we had a description and I was all excited about it and and the some of the other people were like, yes, we've got it, let's move on. And Vicki, that was her name, she says, you know, that's not it. And we said, what, what do you mean that's not it? We... We like this. What's wrong with it? And she couldn't tell us what was wrong with it. She couldn't tell us what needed to be changed. All she could tell us is that her intuition was telling her that we didn't have it yet. And so we came back the next week because we were meeting weekly, hoping that she'd changed her mind. And we said, well, and it's like, it's still not it, she would say. And so we would get frustrated and and then we would just start because we were stuck we couldn't go any further with that and because we wanted to do that before we moved on to the next thing at that point we because we were all friends also we just started throwing out wild crazy ideas just trying to play with it and have fun since we weren't going anywhere anyway 
And in the process of doing that, somebody would say something, and then somebody would build on that, and then we would build on that, and we would get to a whole other level of a solution that was far better than what we had before that we were willing to settle for, and then Vicki would say, that's it. So the only thing she could do was access her intuition to know when something was or wasn't it. She had no ideas to add to it uh, or to tell us what was wrong. Now, how often would that process happen in any political meeting anywhere in this country? It generally doesn't, especially since everybody's driven for themselves, as you pointed out earlier. Yeah, we don't use, we don't access intuition. And some of the quieter people especially who, you know, it's always the loudest people or the people who have the ideas uh, who, who get heard and not the people who may just go inside and check out and see, you know, that there's something else that is needed. And if everybody cooperates with that process, we can build something that does include everyone. And so every time it happened after that, because it did happen several times when Vicki said, that's not it, we listened. We said, okay, we just need to go into a brainstorming and be more expansive and more creative, and then we would always get to something that was better. Well, you know, that's actually great. And I apologize for interrupting. I just, you kept saying the word consensus. And, you know, one of the things, actually, I'm studying some of the books that Jacques wanted me to read, and one of them was Tyranny of Words. And in Tyranny of Words, they point out that words mean so many different things to people. And when they're kind of a vague concept, I just wanted my listeners to have a better grasp of what you mean by consensus. So um, now that we've gone through that, please continue with what you were saying. So I apologize for interrupting your flow. Well, now that we're on consensus, let me say one more thing about consensus. Mm-hmm is that a lot of people and people in the community movement also do a consensus training that's one day or two days long. The consensus training we do is 35 hours. In France, we did it in, re- in retreat in a five-day format. Here, where, where we've got more time and people are local, we do it over a, a course of several weeks, meeting on three-hour classes. Because one of the things that, has to, that, that happens is it's more than just about technique. It's about moving into that consciousness inside each one of us. It is that consciousness, consciousness that I call the consciousness of the highest good for all. And mm-hmm. to do that really requires us gaining more maturity and consciousness and being able to go inside and see what our issues are. I was working with a, with a group in, in a consensus training once, and they were just stuck. They, couldn't, they weren't going anywhere. And they just took, they stopped discussing the issue, and then each of them took some time and went inside to do some inner exploration to find out what was happening. And it was amazing how much was about how somebody in the group, for instance, reminded them of a parent or a relative who mistreated them. And that's why they were having problems uh, agreeing with that person. Or it was about some stress that was in their life that they were bringing into the whole process. And these things are very subtle, and unless we take that time to really go inside and access that place inside where we can do some healing work, which which is 
so important in the whole consensus process, then we're just trying to discuss issues and reach resolution on issues as opposed to going to where that consensus really resides, which is that place inside each one of us that is committed to that consciousness of the highest good. So that's what's so different about the consensus training we do is it focuses on consciousness. Sure, we deal with techniques too, but the focus is we've got to heal the consciousness. We've got to move to that place of loving inside each one of us. We've got to move to the realization that everything is one thing, that we are all interconnected, and we have to find solutions that will work for and include everyone. You know, that's really great that you pointed that out, and it's, it's kind of like a, you know, an aspect of this that is not often seen. When I try to tell people that, you know, do you get it or do you really get it, it's like when Jacques Fresco and I talked because I became a spokesman for the Venus Project, one of the things that was different was just I said it's like, you know, it's like this idea has taken root in my head, and it's like it's grown, and it's like in every fiber of my being it's changed all kinds of values about myself. I look around the world so differently. There are things that I used to do that I would find entertaining that I find, you know, like I would never do that anymore. You know, I don't, I don't sit around and waste my time anymore. You know, I'm not materialistic at all. You know, everything about the way I look at the world has totally changed, and it's just largely because of this. It's like a kind of an awakening, you know, and you don't have to be it, – it's not a metaphysical thing, or it doesn't have to be any way, you know, at all. It's just kind of an attitude of, like, you know, I'm going to change the way I look at everything, and, and then when you get other people doing it, it, it's almost like the answers come to you so quickly once you get the basic understanding of it. You know, I can almost, you know, I call it, I was like, I can hear Jacques' voice in my head, so to speak, you know, just as an accurate, you know, it's kind of an example. Even though it's not really Jacques, it's just me, but like his method of thinking about how to, you know, break things down to the most logical conclusions, you know, and then eventually, you know, he's always been trying to tell people, like, you know, they're like, well, who will make the decisions? And they always assume that it's going to be a, like some kind of authoritarian board of directors or something. And he's like, we don't make decisions. We, we arrive at conclusions based on what is obvious. You know, as in, he used the scientific method. And he also points out that the ego does a, just terrible things to communication because you're so terrified of being wrong that you can't learn. You know, and so it, it ends up totally uh, stagnating you and your own growth. Um, and it certainly hinders your ability to communicate with others because you're so worried about what other people think of you. You know, oh, no, I mean, he was wrong. You know, I was wrong about this thing about, you know, this ex-scientific issue, but, you know, can I say anything about it? You know, you, instead it gets, goes the opposite way, like guys like Tesla and uh, Edison hating each other. Can you imagine how much better those two would have done if they had, like, cooperated, you know, put their minds together rather than competing? You know, uh, the competitive attitude especially is so destructive to humanity. Uh, but that being said, I'll go ahead and go back to what you were saying about what you're doing with the villages and what your vision is. Okay, so because communication being what it is, and there's a quote in my book by a, a late friend of mine that I loved, so I put it in the book, it's like the, it, which says, the biggest mistake in communication is the assumption that it has actually occurred. And so often when we when we are saying something, it's like we're saying something, we have something in our minds and the other person may be receiving an entirely different vision of what we're saying. So let me give this a shot for you listeners out there in terms of the, what we're talking about with the Community Planet Solution. 
and that is if we take a if we create a community of 500 people and we're not talking about retrofitting existing communities which in my mind is band-aids but we're creating a pedestrian community where people own the entire community they don't own individual houses they don't own lots there's no lots it's one community and we collectively own that community the entire community is ours and we create a livelihood on that community that benefits everyone and we create all our own energy which there are so many different ways of doing that and it depends on location but there are many ways of doing that we basically recycle everything as in the story of stuff also we create a lot of what we need without putting a burden on the planet in terms of the resources the the healthcare system there is free we have so whenever you need to go see a a health professional you don't have to think about do I have enough money to go do this you can just do that there's several people in the in the community healthcare uh, that that uh, you can just go see whenever you want and uh, we're going to be cutting down on a lot of jobs that be, that don't need to exist but one of the jobs I think we'll have more of is uh, we'll have more massage therapists because I think we can all agree that uh, each one of us deserves at least one massage a week <laughs> um, so that'll be one job that we have that we have more of but anything you want to do recreationally uh, it's all available there in the community whatever it is whether it's organized sports or play or games or music or acting uh, you know it's it's all available this is going to be an incredibly fun place to be and because we're sharing resources where for a community of 500 people how many vehicles are actually needed maybe 30 maybe 40 when it's a pedestrian community and you only really need a vehicle when you're leaving there and we don't need to individually own all these things as is set up now it's so incredibly inefficient um, so many things that the that the capitalistic system just tries to we, create more and more and design obsolescence in so that they can sell more and more and more it's like we need to stop doing that for the planet and this community will demonstrate how to do that and as I said returning the decision-making into the hands of the people at the local level people having more time and support for getting in touch with their inner being as well as getting in touch with and communicating with others and with nature which is going to be all around us where we're going to be growing a lot of our own food we're going to have edible landscaping and so you can get the freshest food that's all naturally and organically produced uh, people will be much healthier they'll be much happier they will be much more abundant so imagine creating now not just one of these 500 person communities but six of them so we have 3,000 people in one place demonstrating a completely different model of how we can live on this planet and in and getting celebrities involved getting universities to come and study 
this and getting the media, especially the the internet, to report on this so that everybody is becoming aware that there is another alternative, because the fan, the the planet is is thirsting for this different alternative right now, and and people who who are into it for their self-interest when they look at this these communities when they hear about them they say geez i'd like to be there these people are a lot more healthy happy more abundant having more fun than i am i'm working you know two jobs 40 hours a week to support my family what do i need to do to get from here to there mm-hmm. well one of the things is let's you know can you move into that consciousness of the highest good come and 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 see the community um get some training in consensus decision making and if one of these communities of 3000 people if 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 that spawns in the following year or so that starts to create two more communities that each in the following year to start to create two more communities we could transform the entire the entire planet in 28 years and i think I think this is the only thing that will that that has the potential to transform the the planet and to correct all the environmental imbalances that are occurring because unless it works for each and every person on the planet there's there's going to be conflicts over resources there's going to be blaming there's going to be the partisanship but let's return the decision making and the power to the people on the local level, as opposed to having the power brokers who've controlled this game, this every person for themselves game on the planet for so many thousands of years, unquestioned, let's change that game and play a different game where we create a world that works for everyone. That's an excellent way, yeah, definitely an excellent goal. Um, I, I want to ask you one of the questions that we typically get. now. You talk about a lot of the things that are provided for free, and I'm already sold that I know that this can be done. I'm just curious what your answer is. You know, what do we do when, you know, like, how do basically do we allocate the, the work that is being done? How do we, you know, what is the, the incentive for people who are basically being given what they need for free? How do you handle that? Well, the, the first response to that, of course, is, again, uh, to make a community work, let's screen for consciousness, let's screen for commitment. The people who are going to be there uh, will know that they are doing something that is being done to model the transformation of the planet. So for many of us, uh, I assume that for people like you or I, and, and the way I was also raised in my family, is when there's something to do, you do it. And right. There's when and service is one of the highest forms of demonstrating loving on this planet. So, uh, so if you get people, if you get the people there who hold that consciousness of the highest good, um, then we'll be able to do this. If we get people in there, if we have, if we don't do the screening and get people in there and say, well, I'm just here to like have a free ride and to not, not really participate things, you know, the, the process we have for screening will not have those people coming into the community. They will be able to come into subsequent communities 
when they gain that consciousness of the highest good and realize that we are all one and let's support each other and, and assist each other. But the reward is that because we're eliminating all of the nonsense jobs, the nonsense products, the, you know, the things that don't need to exist, that are only there as people are trying to survive on their own and create oftentimes meaningless things for people to, to purchase and, and, and for jobs that don't need to be done, the benefit for everybody is they will actually have to be working much less than they are working right now. So, so they'll be able to look at this and say, geez, my participation will be less and I'm going to be getting more. That's yeah, I I totally agree with you, and it, it, the, the screening thing is really important. And I generally have to tell people that about you know one of the reasons why we're not ready to build things just in the zeitgeist movement on its own is we're trying to get that attitude to where it's much more, uh, much more essentially more common, um, and to try to get people to reevaluate their their values. And I know it can happen. You just kind of after like I said after the idea grows in your head, you know it changes everything. But you've got to get there first. That's the reason why, at least at this stage, we're focused on that. But the fact that you understand that, like, you know, we talked about this earlier before the show, was that if you don't have this kind of attitude, the, the as you said, the, you know, getting rid of that every man for himself attitude and moving to the, the best, you know, the best good for all attitude is critical to the success of any such, organ, you know, any such community. And then, as you pointed out, they may be able to join subsequent communities is because after that, you'll have a, you'll have a, um, a good core, a, a culture, so to speak, that will dictate to the new people who come into it. Wow, I guess I, I want to be part of this. Everybody else is doing this. You know, at that point, the 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 uh, the, the pack mentality of human beings actually comes to you know comes to your aid. Um, I don't know if you've watched uh, Mr. Fresco's lectures or, um, or Peter Joseph's lectures, but he pointed out like actually at the last Zeitgeist Day, he uh, showed a video about a uh, documentary that had some some kind of primates in them. I can't remember which kind they were, but there was this. Uh, like tourist attraction that had all of this meat that was infected with tuberculosis in it. So all of the more dominant um, apes in that, in that particular group died because, of course, the dominant ones were the ones who got to the meat. That's, that's so funny that you would be saying this, Neil, because before you started saying that, I was just about to tell exactly the same story. <laughs> well, that's synergy. Yes, and basically they okay. So the orangutans. Thank you for the clarification. Um, yeah, we've used that video ourselves because we usually have to tell people about you know how how your value system can change. Obviously, then what happened is that they the the more aggressive orangutans died, and then you know then that changed the whole culture of that group of orangutans because then there were no aggressive people and everybody was just kind of mellow. And when new orangutans would show up you know, and try to join the group, they try to be aggressive, and then the rest of the group was like, hey, man, what's up with that? You know, and then they stopped. You know, these are orangutans. <laughs> orangutans can learn not to be jerks to each other. There's no reason we can't. Um, exactly. And that's, uh, it, it's that kind of change that can happen after you have an established society that will, that's when, at what, what point that your environment will allow you, enable you to change people. But you still have to create the environment, and that's why you can't just throw together a mishmash of things, that, you know, personality types and social chemistry, and assume that you're going to be able to pull it off. You know, and it 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 also kind of has to do with like work ethic. You know, people will establish that they'll think to themselves at the end of the day, you know, hey, I just made the world better. You know, in some cases it's like necessity based on need. You know, do you want electricity? Okay, well, I suggest you get over here and help us. We're building electricity. <laughs> 
we're, we're going to go build a, a solar plant right now. And uh, if you want electricity, I suggest you get over here. You know, just your own need will come up, and it will basically kind of um, – it will motivate you in the end. And in a lot of ways, especially if you screen people, as you pointed out, you're going you're gonna to end up with a much more you – know, a larger group of quality people who are really intent on this goal. Um, and I think that what will happen, as you said, people will look at it from the outside and they'll say to themselves, wow, I, I'd really like to be part of that. That was actually something else I wanted to point out when it was talking about uh, – if you remember the film A Beautiful Mind, uh, that Nash, that politician uh, – not politician, mathematician, actually, right. you know, he had that, you know, that, that eureka moment where he was like, wait a minute, doing what's best for me is what's doing what's best for me and the group, you know. That, that you are still involved in that. You know, you're, if you're doing something that's going to benefit all of mankind, the last I checked, you're part of all of mankind. <laughs> that, that's a real incentive. You know, it's, if, you, if you've decided to volunteer to help build the, the permaculture infrastructure of your local community, you're going to get to eat the food too. It's not like, it's not like you're, just, you know, you're doing something for somebody else. It's not, it's not socialism in that you're not redistributing wealth or anything like that. You're coming together as a group to build what is needed for the community, and then you get the benefit the same as everybody else. Yes, exactly. So um, now let me uh, – I know there were some people who wanted to call in, so I'm going to go ahead and tell them, you know, if you guys would like to call in, um, there is actually a caller on the switchboard. If you wanted to participate, you have to – I can't remember what number it is, but you have to dial a number, and then it'll it'll raise your hand, and then I'll know that you want to participate. Oh, well, here we go. Um Caller from the 252 area code, you're on the air. Hello, Neil. Hello, uh, guest. Uh, this is Jaguar. And, hey, uh, Jaguar. Hey, it's been a while since I've talked to you. Uh, nonetheless, I had a question for the, the guest. Uh, I, I didn't catch the name at the beginning of the show. but His name is Jack Reed. Jackery? Jack, Jack Reed. Jack Reed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Okay. Well, very nice. Go ahead, Nash. The question was: Is uh, have you uh, ever heard or, or looked into the time bank concept? Uh, have you looked into that one enough to maybe be able to integrate it into the concept of this uh, the community distributed community? What are you calling it? The time based concept? Time bank. Time banks. Oh, yeah, time time bank. bank. It has nothing to do with money, and it has to do with just uh, donating your time and also in, in receiving time, but it doesn't have to be with one-to-one. One. It's one with the community and community-to-one. Well, we have within the community itself that we've designed, that's that's an interesting idea. It's, it's a little bit like barter, but we've set it up. Um, you'd have to read the description about how we how we set the whole thing up it would be done different than that to where to where that idea uh, although it's a it's a good idea i think but it's not necessary within our design hi could you uh restate the the website uh if you have one it's community planet dot Org. Thank you very much. Uh, you can mute me Okay. Again. Thanks for calling in, Jaguar. Um, once again, uh, to anybody who wants to call in, the call-in number is 347-945-7747. Um, in addition, um, if you would like me to add you via Skype, perhaps you're an international caller, all you have to do is add me to your Skype, 
My Skype account is VTV, just like, you know, V Radio, but it's like V is in Victor, T is in Tom, V is in Victor, 115. If you add me to your Skype, send me a private message on your Skype, and I will add you to the call. Don't call in because it makes noise on my show. And um, and also, every time I've ever tried to add somebody to a conference call, when they've called me, it has always hung up the call. <laughs> um, as in the whole call, including the call to the show. So, <laughs> um, In any case, uh, once again, um, let's continue with this conversation. Um, you were saying, okay, like you were, I guess if you're not using a time bank, what kind of system did you guys have in mind? Well, in our description uh, of the community, we and and how it works. When I originally put the class together that was that was to design the description, I was thinking of things like administration and decision making and uh, you know architecture and food production. And the people in the class in the first session, they said, yeah, those are the boring questions. Let's, you know, that's the questions that, that everybody, uh, or those are the descriptions that everybody has. Well, let's do something different. So, for instance, the decision-making uh, uh, description became how do we reach consensus. The economic uh question, which the last caller was alluding to, became how do we share our abundance? The food production became how do we nurture ourselves? Yeah, how do we nurture ourselves? And the, um, the healthcare system became how do we vitalize ourselves? So so we created these questions which are different than what society currently asks. And in, in the, 12, uh, the 12 areas that, the community, that, that make up the description of the community, there would be what we called hub groups. And there would be people who work on these various aspects of the community that would be in each group. And and the one group that uh, coordinates the what people do is called how do we coordinate what we love to do. And this group would be responsible for allocating who, do, who does what. Uh, for instance, if there's jobs that very few people want to do, let's create a, an interesting way to, to do that by either eliminating those jobs, finding some creative way that we could do them differently, or, or making those jobs fun. And uh, the community we envision would have somebody called a minister of fun who would be able to, to make, because work should be fun. I was living in a spiritual community in, in Los Angeles, and we had these what we call Dharma days every Saturday. And... I remember one of them where there was there were three of us uh, guys who we had to do a very dirty job that nobody wanted to do, which was ripping up some carpet in this uh, what we called the South Wing, and it was so dirty and so dusty. It was really on one level a kind of disgusting job, but it was 
it was so funny to us because it was so dirty. So we just start making up uh, making up jokes and songs, and we'd take our cleaning implements and put them over our shoulders and march up and down the hallway, <laughs> like sort of like doing like military type songs, and we were just laughing hysterically. And although it was work that that few people would have wanted to do, in my memory. It was one of the funnest times I had living in that community. And, and it's that concept of loving and fun and connecting that we can bring in to doing uh, jobs within the community. You know, it's so, interesting. Oh, go ahead. So, so these teams of people, these groups of, or the hubs of people, would coordinate everything that the community does so that people would not be just having individual job assignments, but they would be working with people. And I think there's a consciousness for those of us who have more of what I would call this new age consciousness, where it's a lot easier for for us to be doing things with a group of people rather than doing things on, a, on our own. Because that group of people, uh, uh, the connectedness, and the fun and and the support that we get makes doing things more fun, more interesting, and and a lot easier to do rather than just try and struggle to do things on our own a lot of the times. You know, I've remembered. You know, I've actually. It's interesting how you say that. Is that most employers, for example, almost think if you're having fun while working, then there's something wrong. You know, I. <laughs> I remember very distinctly, you know, it's like I used to work in a lot of restaurants and I, I could always tell what kind of day I was going to have. And, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, like I had this one manager, she was a very nice lady. And like, you know, if we weren't doing well enough at the restaurant, I felt like I was letting her down. And that actually made me far, gave me way more incentive than somebody who would be yelling and screaming at me. And one of the reasons why I liked her was because she had that same attitude. You know, she was very lighthearted. You know, people, as long as they were getting the work done, they could still joke around and have fun. And, you know, um, she'd always let us have the radio. And I wanted to please that person. I wanted to work with that person as opposed to the, you know, the kind of authoritarian bosses who basically say, I will scream until production increases. You know, <laughs> it's, it's like that notion isn't even really, it doesn't cultivate anything. You know, and I, I also think it's not good for, um, it's also not good for your health. It's not good for efficiency in the long run because nobody wants to work for somebody like that. And, and actually, I think that movie Office Space kind of revealed that. You know, if you, if you remember that part that where he's, he's telling those efficiency experts, he's like, you know, I, you know, I don't get anything out of helping this company. If I bust my butt and put a few more units out, it doesn't help me at all. I don't make another red cent, and all my bosses are mean to me. You know, so what happens? He, he screws off as much as he can. I've always felt that, honestly, because we believe that everything is a, is a, a result of scarcity in the Venus Project. Yeah. Um, and we bring up that uh, basically that I think that laziness is a reaction to scarcity of free time, scarcity of enjoying yourself. You know, it's like when you play that game, The Sims, it's a video game. One of the as critical aspects to your sim surviving is fun. If you don't have enough, your, your sim can't do other things. You're not as good at working. You're not as good at anything else. Now, we had a caller who wanted to be added real quick, so um, I'm bring it on here ringing now. Hello, Nathan. You're on the air. Oh, can anyone hear me right I now? I can hear you just fine. 
Oh, uh, so um, one question I wanted to ask was, oh, can I ask right now? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. One question I wanted to ask. Me, like, um, like a lot of people I bet listening right now, would love to uh, join the city that you have right now. Oh, yeah. Um, what are you going to do um, when, like, you know you're going to have over 500 people wanting to join. Oh, I guess I'm hearing myself with a lag. <laughs> I'll have to turn that off. Sorry about that. So, well, we don't hear it, which is good. So you're just saying, what will they have to do to join? Yeah, because I know there's going to be a lot of people wanting to join, especially in this movement. Absolutely. And, so uh, anyone could join? Like, if I wanted to join, as soon as you get it, I'd be able to and happy and stuff? The, there would be a screening process. Uh, we, if we're employing, well, we will be employing consensus decision making as the model, but also there's there's the screening for people holding that consciousness of the highest good and being able to work uh, consensus decision making. Uh, one of my friends, who's one of the real experts in uh, eco communities in the United States, has visited so many of them and has has talked about the problems that they had with decision making and I, and I would ask her well did you screen, did that community screen for uh, people holding uh, that consciousness of the highest good and did they screen if they're using consensus did they train and screen people for how to do that it's like no they just decided that they were going to do it or they had a one or two day training and we're going to be doing something different than that. We're going to be uh, we're going to be screening so that we make sure that this first community really functions well because that's going to set the pattern for all the subsequent communities. Hmm. I wouldn't mind working eight hours a day if I got to live in a community like that. You wouldn't even have to work eight hours a day unless you wanted to because it was so much fun. Yeah, I know. I probably wanted. I would probably want to just to give back. You know, that's actually, I know that's possible because there have been times, like I said, when I was working for that specific employer, I didn't want to leave work, if you can imagine that. It is possible to create an environment that is so much fun that you don't want to leave. <laughs> yes. Yes, I've experienced that. So was there anything else, caller? Uh, I guess not. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks again for calling in. It's good to hear from you, Nathan. Okay. Bye. 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 Well, you know, it's it's actually interesting. It's, I'm glad we had this conversation because it made me think about that employer, and I that's actually an important piece of data. I had not it had not even occurred to me, you know, that you can make work fun, and a lot of it is just the the different attitude about it, and you know, the friends that you have, and things of that nature. So, you know, uh, definitely. Um, you know, the more I think about it, I, I'm really glad that we've communicated, and I think that there are a lot of things that our, our two movements can learn from each other. And um, I also wanted to tell people that, uh, as was pointed out to me, okay, within the Zeitgeist Movement, we are focused on spreading awareness and, and not on building. But if you, as a member of the Zeitgeist Movement, want to get involved in one of these other projects, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the only thing that, you know, basically just, you know, if you want to go ahead and get involved, that's fine. You know, and, and if you want to go beyond doing what we're doing, that's okay too. 
All we ask is that if you do, you know, represent our ideas to anybody else, that you do so accurately, um, and that you essentially make sure that, you know, if you're going to in any way directly associate your projects with what we're doing at the Venus Project, that you talk to Jacques and Roxanne first to be sure that it's okay with them. So just to bring that out there, because we have had a lot of people who have wanted to do the kinds of things that you're talking about, Jack, and there have been resistances in the past, and it's generally just because of the fact that we, you know, we've had people, for example, they, they get like maybe part of this, but they don't have the whole value system down. And they may start their own project, but then but when, when they're finished, they don't really realize that that value system hasn't really taken root in them, and then they fail. Like when you look at so many of the, the failed communes of the past, um, almost all of them have some like internal strife or conflict that wouldn't even exist in a society like you're talking about and like the ones we're talking about. You know, and that's because you have to look at the root causes of the negative behaviors and eliminate them that way. You know, and I, at this point, you know, I guess, uh, I, you know, I know that you've, you have the best that money can't buy. I know you've talked about that, and I, I know you're at least somewhat familiar with um, the Venus Project. What, what do you know about And Just go ahead and share with my listeners what your understanding of the Venus Project is and what you think about it. Well, Jacques is, of course, an incredible visionary, and I've I've uh, I've seen the video that was made about him, Future by Design. But I, I've known about Jacques for a couple of decades, and and uh, I I know that he does share a lot of the same ideas. That he's got amazing things uh, technologically that um, that are that the planet, once we get start moving in this direction of cooperation, which we will be able to do, uh, and so the technological aspects of what he does, it, what he's come up with, are um, not what we've focused on. Uh, we focused more on, in Community Planet on on as I said, what it would look like and, and how it would work, and more on the consciousness, more on the description of, of how people would work together, how the decisions can't be made. Um, so it's, it's, more to, it's more of a how-to on the local level rather than a, technologically, a technological how-to. We describe systems like... A, that we will create our own energy, but we don't go into the specifics of how that could be done because there are so many people who know how to do that. We will access those people and those resources, but it wasn't necessary in terms of our description to make something that would describe every single thing in a document that was thousands and thousands of pages long. Yeah, that's. I, I see where you're coming from, um, and I mean, but you still do intend on using as much self-sustaining technology anyway, because you want to eliminate boring jobs just as we do, right? Absolutely. Yep. And that's. Um, I mean, it, I guess uh, you know, you guys said that you guys are based out of what was it, uh, California? Was I correct in that? Yes. Um, most of us are living in Santa Barbara. And okay, so if anybody who wants to get involved, perhaps the Zeitgeist California chapters, what, what would they do to you know to talk to you about you know about you know basically going through the interview and such to see if you know they were compatible with what you guys are doing? 
Well, first of all, go to that website, communityplanet.org, um, look at the video, and you can contact us through the website uh, easily. As a matter of fact, uh, I've probably received contacts from before before Neil and 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 after him too, uh, from probably six or seven people from the Zeitgeist movement who've who've emailed me by going to the website and and using that contact form and saying, do you know about the Venus Project and the Zeitgeist movement? And you you have a whole lot in common, and 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 we should be working together. So. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we're easy to get in touch with that way. Yeah, I definitely I got a good I definitely got a good uh, response from you, like pretty much you know, very prompt and such. And uh, you know, it makes me wish I lived in California. Um, I mean, if you guys you guys said that you're looking at land, um, so you haven't really you know, even gotten into that yet. Um, people also wanted to ask, like, is there a cost for getting involved in this? How are you guys handling that? Uh, we're set up as a nonprofit foundation, and people can donate if they choose to donate, and some people have. But there's no there's no specific cost. Once we get once we identify a workable piece of land, uh, which means that uh, we've gone over the zoning options, and it's clear that zoning wise they're open for a group of people collectively owning a piece of land and not parceling it up to where it's one house, one plot, one house, one plot. Uh, you know, if we can do that and, and identifying a piece of land that works, that's close enough to where people can come and, and access it as opposed to maybe someplace in Montana or as an example, not to put it, but put Montana down, but just part of the reason for doing what we're doing is we want people to, to know about what we're doing. We want people, especially people who would carry a, a, a lot of uh, media exposure, like actors uh, who would love to do something for the planet, but they haven't heard about this idea. Once they hear about this idea, they can be the people who drive this idea out there to the world so that these communities can be replicated in our country and in countries all over this world. Well, definitely. Um, well, I mean, it, it, you know, I'm getting a lot of rave reports from the people in the chat room about how excited they are with you know, you know how our compatible our ideas are. Um, so, uh, I guess um, some people are still asking about the, the screening. Is that just done as like kind of an interview? Um, the screening would be done through uh, actually taking a consensus decision making class, and uh, and one of the things that they would be doing at the conclusion of that class would be actually the class itself making the choice on who would be ready to come into the community and 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 their ability to do consensus decision making so it would be people within the class itself who would be making that decision as well as under the guidance of a uh, trained um, consensus facilitator well, that's excellent. Um, now, 
you know, I, I guess some people that they, they're commenting on, they're, they're trying to say that there's no screening in the Venus Project, but there's also no communities being built in the Venus Project. And the reason we know that we're not building communities is because uh, we know that we're not ready. And <laughs> so it's not to say that what he's doing is incompatible. What he's suggesting, basically you know, what you're suggesting, um, is that you want to go ahead and build one of these communities and that in order to do that, you're going to need to find people who already have that value system. We have like a lot of problems uh, with you know with this in the you know the zeitgeist movement is that there are people, for example, who are involved in our movement who are not necessarily really mature enough to be able to even engage in conversation. For example, you see it in our debates; they're still lashing out at each other, and and a lot of them have a lot of their own dichotomies or or, or causes that they try to bring to the table with them. And even though if they're even if they're not necessarily compatible with what we're doing, you know whether it be the the conspiracy theorists or the psychedelic drug users or the, you know, there's just all these little fringe groups that get attracted to any freedom group. And, um, and that's one of the reasons why I said that the reason for the screening that he's talking about is not to be elitist or exclude people. It's more of a matter of this project can't work unless you have the right social chemistry. And because of the fact that we're trying to educate people, our movement is, is about that. It's about trying to get people to that direction. Whereas he's trying to put, you know, put together a, and don't let me speak for you if I'm wrong, but a functional community that is the example that can be used by other people as an example. Like, for example, if you guys succeed in what you're doing, I know I'll be mentioning directly, you know, you know, what you're, you know, what you're doing in your communities and, you know, and, and, and pointing out directly what we do. We already do this with some of the other groups, you know, which is that to say, like, you know, open source ecology, we talked a little bit about that. You know, we said, look, these guys are developing open source technology and giving it away. With the technologies that they have, people could easily take care of themselves with very little money. You know, um, there are other eco-villages out there that seem to be doing pretty well. Um, I don't know enough about that. But, um, the, the, but these examples, these tangible examples are very important. Um, it's just that it's... Um, we're focused on a different aspect of it, but that doesn't mean that what he's doing is not compatible. Um, and that's why I'd say, you know, I'm not worried about screening. The first thing that came to my head when I talked to him about it, because I've, you know, I've also voiced my own interest with Jack here about being interested in what he's doing, is I'm like, you know, how do we, how do we deal with that? Some of these people are just not ready for this yet. They may say that they want it, but, but do they have the values? Do they understand? You know, like as you pointed, what, what was your phrase again? It was, uh, you know, uh, the greatest good for all. The highest good for all highest good for all right and if they don't necessarily understand that that's that's like a it's it's something about you know it's just like wait an example okay like i know some hunters uh and some people are against hunters they don't understand that uh, for example many of the hunters i know actually very much respect nature and they will not hunt an animal that is uh that is too low in its population because they know that that hurts the environment um, and in some of them, in some cases, many of the hunters actually fit, you know, find the animals that are overpopulated and they'll seek them out. And the reason that this is an example is because it's the better for everybody. It's better, and it's also part of better for the symbiont system that we are all part of, okay? Nature understands that. And if we don't take that into account, we are the only beings on this planet that don't tend to think from that perspective. You know, we are the only beings on this planet that believe that, you know, building ridiculous amounts of mini malls, producing, you know, pollution. And we were the only animals on this planet that do that. And it's, it's, it's all based on that consumerism. And you have to have that essentially weeded out of yourself before you're ready for something like this. It's not enough just to build the technology. We have to have the value structure. Um, so, 
you know, uh, basically, um, you know, I wanted to ask you, you know, so what are, what are, what's kind of the current events with you guys? What are you guys working on right now? Um, do you have anything big coming up? Um, we're in the meeting that we're going to have on Thursday. We're going to be sharing with the group uh, the what we learned in going to the the mountainous area east of San Diego and and taking pictures and talking with the people who have the biofuels and biosoils project down there. If there is anybody out there listening who wants to get involved with that, uh, these people have some remarkable technology for how to turn trash into soil and energy, and their business plan is spectacular in terms of what the return on that investment will be. So uh, they identify with the community planet vision. They support the community planet vision. So they've got an option on some land which we saw, which was just perfect for what they wanted to do. And the, and, uh, and the return is First of all, they need to be able to purchase that land, which was, I think, $2 million, and then they need to, to build, uh, uh, to, to buy some equipment. But the return with, in just two years was like triple, quadruple, ten times. So it, it's amazing in the city of San Diego that they've already – you know, with some of the adjoining cities who, who don't know what to do with their trash other than put it into landfills, which are filling up and they're running out of space. So they, they've got a built-in clientele from a lot of the cities from around there. So if somebody was listening, was interested in getting involved with on that level, that's something that could uh, that could create the cash cow for this creating these communities. So that's one of that's probably the main thing that we're going to be going over in this meeting, and also an idea where um, where we're creating a brochure to reach out to seniors who don't want to be put out to pasture because this is one of my uh, pet peeves actually, is that what we do with people who are older in this country is, you know, one of the real problems with the every person for themselves system because, because people get separated off. A lot of times they get put into uh, care facilities and, 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 uh, and some of these places are just where they put people to die. And a lot of retired people, they still want to be making a contribution to the planet want to be sharing the information right, and knowledge definitely. that they have. And to separate people out on the basis of age just because of economic and family uh, circumstances is one of the, I think, the real tragedies on what we're doing in our culture. We need to have an intergenerational community uh, where people can participate with people of all different ages on a easily accessible local level. And that's one of the things that we're going to be doing. And so we're producing a, a brochure for that to approach some of these people, especially some of the people with resources who don't want to be put out to pasture. Sort of like a life, there's life beyond bingo. 
kind of thing. So we're going to be appealing to to people uh, because one of our members uh, has some uh, can be putting who has put together seminars for uh, people who are of retirement age. And we once we have this brochure, we can be approaching them and say, "How would you like to be in this kind of a situation? You know, how would you like to be in this kind of a community?" And so uh, they can help create that with uh, with their financial resources also. Because until we change the game on money, we still need money to be able to get the land and to build the initial community. After that, then we can start really making the changes that need to happen for this planet. I tend to agree. Um, and I, I understand where the concept of needing money ahead of time is. We're actually, uh, in the Venus Project, we're focusing on making another major film. Um, we're hoping to actually make a fully syndicated motion picture uh, that changes people in the same way that films like 1984 did. Uh, in that just, you know, it, it makes you aware of something. And I mean, it's just, we're trying to reach some of the people here that it's, they're so caught up in American Idol and, you know, World of Warcraft or Sarah Palin or whatever, you know, but, but not what's really going on in the world. And we're trying to figure out a way to get into, you know, get into the minds of those people. And I think there are some filmmakers who have figured that out, like the Wachowski brothers are very good at finding ways to make films. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Wachowski brothers is the Matrix, uh, V for Vendetta, uh, movies like that that start to make you think about the, the principles that they're laying out. And that's what we're hoping to do now is, is to try to make a film for that purpose. Um, and that's our focus. And, uh, you know, and when we're finished, you know, obviously I know that, uh, for example, um, it's possible, I don't know for sure, if we could get you, know, you in touch with uh, Peter Joseph at some point, if you guys ever made any you know, groundbreaking, maybe we could feature some of what it is that you're doing on one of our future Zeitgeist films. Um, and uh, that would be great. Uh, and in the meantime, um, I would also strongly suggest to you, just as I suggest to my listeners, uh, Mr. Fresco is still taking tours in, in Florida, and it's very easy to get, you know, they, they will set time aside from you. You can sit down and talk with him. And uh, some of my listeners are like, wow, we really need this guy to talk to Jacques. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to go sit down and have a chat with them, I'm sure he'd be happy to talk to you. Um, and, uh, but basically, you know, um, I'm glad that we've, you know, we've we've gone this far with this now. I mean, if, like, have you ever thought about taking this idea on the TED Talks? Or are you familiar? Yes, I'm familiar with TED Talks. Have you ever considered bringing your, your presentation there? Or, I mean, I've, we've had some problems with them ourselves. I was just curious what your experience with them was and, and if you've ever considered that. Um, yeah, it's it's... It's trying to get into any of these places mm-hmm. because a lot of times they deal with there's kind of celebrities in the field and and uh, we're more of an unknown quantity to them. So it's it's uh, you know we've tried to book on I don't know if we've tried to book particularly with Ted but. You know, we're able to do some things, but other things is our idea is is just so um, because we're not trying to put band-aids on the existing system. And if so many of these people are talking about solutions within the existing system, we're trying to change the system altogether because it needs changing. 
I have a saying that the political system is broken and the economic system is broken, so let's start doing something different. And a quote on the back cover of my book from Bucky Fuller is, uh, in order to change something, don't struggle to change the existing model. Create a new one and make the old one obsolete. So, uh, you know, if they're not talking about, if they're talking about environmental issues and they're not talking about the every person for themselves system, then, you know, it's like, hello, that's where all the incredible waste goes into. That's what's creating the environmental issues is that system because it's so inherently and incredibly wasteful. And if they're not talking about it, they're just still, you know, under the mass hallucination that we have to keep doing this dysfunctional system. I agree. Um, I think it, it's funny how, in many cases, people just, they, they never even thought about it. You know, it's, they're so conditioned to believe that this is how it has to be. You know, and I mean, we spoon feed them that from childhood. You know, uh, I watched a really good documentary actually put out by the World Socialist Movement called Capitalism and Other Kid Stuff. And he talks <laughs> about how, have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, it's, I it's a really good. It's a really good presentation, and um, I've never seen anybody break down the problems with capitalism in such perfect language, and he doesn't use any appeal to emotion. He's very calm the whole time, and, you know, he didn't say anything I could disagree with. Everything he said was, well, yeah, duh, you know. <laughs> he laid out, like, you know, the rules of capitalism. One of them was he said, you know, like the golden rule, you know, he who makes the gold makes the rules. I mean, even capitalists say that, you know, so it's not refutable. But he pointed out a lot of different ways that, you know, such a system would protect itself, like by dividing people, uh, by, you know, essentially distracting people to keep them, you know, from thinking about how bad things really are. You know, and it, it's, it's basically uh, you, when you've got to get through to some of these people who don't even understand that they don't really have to do this. They're always told that this is the way the world is, and it, it doesn't occur to them to, you know, to think change is, is possible. And, it almost seems that that actually kind of that sounds like that's really in the system's best interest is for people to think like that, like the every person for himself thing. It's funny how you know this every person for himself system. For some reason, there always still seems to be this elite at the top who are also every person for themselves, and for some reason seem to be doing a lot better than everybody else. And they try to tell you that capitalism is freedom, but you really only have as much freedom as your purchasing power allows. And they kind of sell you the story. Well, if you work really hard, you know, anybody can be rich is what they tell you. But there's so much luck involved with that. And it, there's also, like, you know, one of the things that he points out in Capitalism and Other Kids stuff is, like, yep, you can work hard your whole life and still be poor when you're done. <laughs> I know that's possible. It happened to my mom. You know, she was working two jobs to take care of us. She never had a retirement. You know, she sadly, she passed away from cancer last year. But she busted her butt, you know, her whole life. And we never got any benefit out of that. I mean, I mean, other than being taken care of that, my guess is we didn't get any progress out of that would be a better word. You know, she was still stuck in the rut and the system needs people to be stuck in that rut or it can't even function. You know, it, it, yeah, it, go ahead. Uh, for, first of all, because we've been trashing capitalism here and uh, I just want to say that, uh, Let's lump socialism, communism, and fascism into that same group because, mm -hmm. as you just pointed out, they're all centralized power-based systems, and I would 
say that they're in that way, they're much more alike than they are different. They're the people at the top who are making the decisions for everybody else. And uh, in in the video that's on my website, there's a great quote by the Rothschilds, uh, one of the Rothschilds brothers um, that was from a while back in in history, and they were saying that in terms of this, the banking system, because if one really knows that what's happening with the whole international banking system, it's there are some videos that you can find on the internet. Uh, money is debt, and the money masters, mm-hmm. and it really lays out the whole dysfunctional system that they created to play the money game, which is the people who've who've invented this system are getting the rewards and they in this letter that they were writing they said you know most of the people most of the people who know about it will be so uh so indebted to it for their own success that they're not going to question it and for the for the working masses they're going to just be struggling focusing too much on survival to ever question what we've done to them is the essence of what they were saying. Yeah, they covered that in capitalism and other kids stuff too. Just work you so hard that you can't think straight. You know, you got a 40-hour work week. You come home, you're just interested in you know in, in relaxing um, and nothing else. And and who could blame them? And the system is designed to keep them doing that. Um, and so basically, though, um, you don't. As you pointed out about how those other systems are still the same, and, and Jacques points that out too, we, we tend to hammer on capitalism a lot mostly because it's one that's most commonly practiced right now. But, you know, the, the Soviets started off with that same line of bull, we're all going to be great, everything's going to be wonderful, and then there's a Russian word for it. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it basically meant the elite. It was the description of the equivalent of, like, say, the neoconservatives that we have in the capitalist system, the ones who are, the, the, but it's not, I don't want to even just say it's the neocons because there are some really corrupt Democrats too. Um, and it's the same thing. You, you still end up with, you know, the group of pigs and any pig who actually cares about other people. Well, what happens to them? You know, this is referring to animal farm, obviously. And then in right. the end, when you, when, when you're not looking, the rules get rewritten to all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. And that's true of the capitalist system as much as the, as the other systems. Uh, and I, the only reason why, like the world socialists give me some, some hope because they have a lot more uh, realistic ideas and, and they re- recognize that eventually we need to get out of, you know, the, some of the things that we've been doing as far as that. You can't just, one of the problems I have with some socialists is they think that they're going to take the existing built for capitalism infrastructure and turn it into something where we share. And I can tell you, in Michigan, my home state, they've used socialism to try to patch the, uh, the holes in capitalism as, as technological unemployment has just wrecked Michigan's economy. And, of course, what happens then? Well, the state government almost shut down last year entirely, as in we're just going to turn off everything, uh, because they couldn't afford to pay for it all because all these people are on welfare, you know, uh, in, in a system where nobody's paying any taxes because nobody's employed. <laughs> those systems collapse on themselves. Um, and so I, I hear you want to comment. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I, that I get excited about is, is, uh, you know, when people say, Oh, the economy's falling apart. And my attitude is like, don't tease me. I've been waiting for too long. 
mm-hmm. for for things to fall apart because it's it's what's going to provide the catalyst for doing something different. And this something different that needs to happen is for these demonstration communities to be set up so that we can finally do something completely different on the planet. So if things were kind of limping along and and working, it's like then where's the impetus for, for real change? But I think now people are really ready for it. And when we get these communities set up, as as one of your callers said, how, how do I come and be a part of this? There'll be so many people who, who want to do this. It's not going to be hard to get 500. Yeah, it's like we'll create the first community, and then people will be able to see that model. They'll be able to replicate it, and that's what can change the entire planet. And that's what's exciting about this time that we live in, right now and people are yelling doom and gloom about the the climate issues and all this it's like well we've got the consciousness that can change things or or and to restore the environment but we're not going to be doing able to do this as long as we use money as an excuse for not doing things when we say there's not enough money to do something it's uh, if you move to that level that that money is just a medium of exchange. It really represents cooperation. So what we're really saying is we don't have enough cooperation to do something, to provide a needed service, to keep people alive, to restore the environment. We don't have enough cooperation. So that's what needs to be demonstrated. And in in the book, after we described how a community would operate and what it would look like and how it would work, then we go into the idea of what's going to happen when we finally have these communities uh, happening throughout the planet and we can really change the game on the planet and then we really could have peace on Earth and we really could create a utopian society for everyone. And we get very spoiled in our culture when we when we think, oh, well, things are not working as well as they have been. And for most of the world, things have not been working well for for many, many generations. There are all so many people are already struggling to survive and and have been for a long time. And that's one of the things that originally motivated me back in the 60s as I was aware of these things. I was aware of the issues of poverty and hunger and sanitation and people dying needlessly. And it's like, what can we do that could change all of that? And so I've never wanted to get involved with anything less than something that could change everything else. And that's what this community planet vision and plan can do. It is the one thing that can change everything else. Well, I absolutely agree. And, you know, it's, it's good that you came up with that epic uh, end to your statement because we're running short, short on time. Um, <laughs> but uh, I want to thank you very much for coming on. And I hope that, you know, we could definitely have you on at a later time. And I hope the people that are involved with your organization, for example, would, you know, could tune into my show because we talk about pretty much all the same stuff. Yeah. Um, and to those listeners out there who haven't already visited, go to vradio.org, v-radio.org, a hyphen between the letters V and the word radio. And uh, 
There you will find arco- archives of all of my shows, including this one, um, and uh, the must-see TV links that I described earlier, which are a lot of free documentaries that are really critical to understanding the problems in our world. Um, I don't need any donations for the month of January, thanks to some two very generous men who donated everything I needed in one day. <laughs> Still getting over that. Uh, but there will be a new do- donation widget up next month. I want to once again thank my webmaster, Gabriel, Gabriel Branch, for giving me that free website work uh, that, is, that you guys can all, all now enjoy at vradio.org. Um, could you do me a favor and, uh, and give your website again and you know, uh, tell people, like, kind of give a, a closing statement? That's communityplanet.org. Communityplanet, all lowercase, communityplanet.org. And uh, a closing statement? Yeah, all you need is love, I guess. Uh, Let's go (laughs) with what the Beatles would say here, because if we're going to change this planet, let's all come from that place of loving. Let's come from that recognition that we are all one and that we can make this work for everyone and have fun while we're doing it. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jack, for coming on the show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. It's been a real pleasure. Hi to all you people out there in the chat room who I haven't had access to, but I heal Neil Neil, uh, talking about all the people who have written in their comments. So we're all in this together. Let's let's do something to transform the planet. Absolutely. Um, I've got to go, like, right away, but um, do me a favor, Jack, and keep in touch. And as I said earlier, if you ever need to announce anything, talk about anything that's going on, or report, you want me to report on any news or anything like that, you don't hesitate to let me know, you know, let me know, because that's basically what this show is for. So to try to provide alternative media to people who don't want to sit around and listen to, you know, the, the talking heads drone on and on about why, you know, caring for only yourself is somehow a good idea. <laughs> The, the door is open. Please stay in touch. And you know, the same is true of people in your organization if they need any help. So thanks again for coming on, Jack. All right. Thank you, Neil. No problem. Okay. Uh, that concludes this episode of V-Radio. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I'm going to leave you with some words from Jacques and Roxanne Meadows. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jacques Fresco. And you're listening to V-Radio.